You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. So I, um, as Pastor Michael mentioned, I married my beautiful wife, Tanae, um, just over two years ago. Um, so we're pretty much experts at this point. Um, got a book coming out. Just kidding. Not nearly there. Working it out. Um, and I did get saved, as the video said, four years ago in our church. And, uh, and I'm currently on staff. I've been on staff at, at, at our church for two years now. And before that, I was an intern at our church. Um, so if you're thinking about doing the internship, not a bad idea. And, uh, and while I was interning, actually, I worked and still do in a social media um, industry. And at the time I was interning, I was with this specific startup that focused only on Instagram. And so my job literally all day was to sit on Instagram for eight hours a day and help people make their Instagrams better, help them build their personal brands or help them build their their businesses. And one of the most common questions I got asked, and I actually still do to this day, I was at the bank and the banker two days ago asked me this, was how do I get verified? And some of you may know what that means, some of you don't. For those of you who don't, it's literally just a little blue check mark next to your Instagram bio, next to your account, basically just says, you are who you say you are. And Instagram recognizes you as that. And there are a couple cool features that go with it. How many people have Instagram here? How many people on social media? Cool. So there's a couple cool features that go with it, but for the most part, it's really just about status. And it's crazy what people would do at the time when I was, you know, telling them about how they could potentially get verified, what they would do to do that, because they would get photo shoots, which are, you know, upwards of $1,000. They would do video shoots, which are definitely thousands of dollars. And they would put out press releases about themselves, which is definitely thousands and thousands of dollars. They would rearrange everything. They would basically just say, whatever the, the expert tells me, I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to rearrange my whole everything just to potentially, maybe, get verified. And as I was preparing for this message today, and I was thinking about the series we're in, which is Advance, which is an amazing series on Vision Builders Month, um, I I couldn't help but think that as kind of wild as it is that people do that, that we can tend to do the same thing with our lives. You see, the definition of advance, if we're looking at that series, is to move forward in a meaningful way which inherently means by definition that there is a way to move forward in our lives. There is a way to progress. There is a way to do things in our lives that is not meaningful. And we can attempt to make everything externally appear beautiful, wonderful, all perfect on the outside, flawless, placing really impressing people above everything else, seeking to be verified by our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, social media, people we don't even know. When inside we know that even though we posted that picture of Easter brunch being so awesome and so perfect with all the pastel colors and all that, you know that your family couldn't be more dysfunctional in this very moment. And even though you posted that picture of that rustic wood coffee table with your Bible perfectly laid open, all highlighted, because you're a good Christian, that you couldn't feel further from God if you were to be really honest right now. And I can tell you, friends, that a life built upon seeking approval, seeking verification, trying to impress other people will only lead to distraught, comparison, and an emptiness that you don't want. Trust me, I've got quite a bit of experience in that department, of which I'll share in a moment. But I found that rather God wants us to live and set our eyes and set our mind 
on things above, on heavenly things, that we would find ourselves already approved by him. And that if we can live from that place, if we can live out of approval from him, him life will flow out of us. Fruit will flow out of us. Abundance, purpose will come through our lives. Colossians 3, chapter 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, someone say, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So really, we've got two choices. We can live for God and his approval, or we can live for the approval of man. And the difference is when you live for the approval of man, you are working towards approval. So you have to do good deeds just to get approved. And here's the challenge. If you choose to live by the approval of man, you have to also die by their rejection. And it's not their fault. They didn't make you. They can't put a stamp of approval or rejection on you. And so you're actually trying to get something from someone they can't give to you inherently. However, when we live our lives with approval from God, we start from approval and then are empowered into good works. And I found the one who created me is the only one who is able to approve of me. Set the course for my life so that I'm moving forward in a meaningful way. Because at the end of the day, that's what every single human, all 7 billion humans on the face of this planet, the one question that they have is how do I make this life count? How do I know that what I do matters? How do I live a life of meaning? And I found that Jesus makes the answer really simple for us. Thank God. <laughs> when we live our lives with only one stamp of approval in mind, it will empower us into the life of advance that God designed. Peace, power, prosperity, and a purpose. So the title of this message today is The Verified Life. Let's see what they got. Boom. That's the blue little check mark. In case you're wondering, now you know what it is. You've been educated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you have predestined each person in here for a time such as this, God, that you would speak to every person, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words today. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So the question of today is what does the verified life look like? I believe it's three things. We become aware of God's plan for our lives. We choose to align our will with his will. And then lastly, we come alive in his purpose. But first things first, we must become aware of God's plan for our life so that we can do what he has called us to do. I grew up with my mindset on very earthly things um, and really it was all about my plan. So let's take a journey and see how 22 years of that panned out. I grew up Catholic and Jewish, not a great start. Um, quite confusing right off the bat, really didn't know which way was up. And the world and environment all around me from the very start was set around performance. It was set around good deeds. It was set around what everything looked like from the outside. And when I was nine years old, my dad passed away of a massive heart attack. The very next year, my mom almost passed away from the exact same thing. So from a very early age, fear, anxiety, torment basically gripped my life because I didn't know when my family was gonna all be gone and I didn't know what would happen if I went. And because I didn't have my father's approving voice behind me, I basically looked for it everywhere else. I felt like by the time I got to high school, I just had to hide who I was. And I just looked at the popular kids. I said, okay, whatever they're doing, I'll just become what they want me to become. 
So as you can probably imagine in high school, that's drugs, that's partying, that's sleeping around, that's doing things that I never thought I'd get wrapped in, but I did because I was looking for approval from a place that was unhealthy. And it further suppressed my ability to deal with the trauma of my childhood. And then I got into college, like that's amazing. Um, some people let me into college, pretty good colleges. And, uh, and, and by the time I got there, I was like, okay, th cool, this is where I find myself. Like college is where you come a lot, this is where like everything gets figured out. But it actually just accelerated the momentum of the downward spiral that I was already in because the, the drug usage just became a bit more frequent. Um, the drug choice became a bit harder and the partying and the lifestyle and all that just became more casual. Side note, watch what dysfunction becomes casual in your life. Because just because it's now normal to you doesn't mean God wants it there. And I started hanging around at that point, some pretty successful kids who were a little bit older than me. They had gotten some like online marketing, internet marketing, were starting to make some good money, but um, they were also like 23, 24 years old. So they were spending that money how you could probably imagine a partying 23, 24 year old would. And so even more so now, my mind and my, really what I held myself to became all around materialistic things. It became around part, it became all around this identity that was slowly uh, killing me. And at 21, in all my wisdom, I took $100,000 that was supposed to be used for college. And I said, I'm dropping out of college and I'm taking it down to San Diego and I'm gonna party. And, uh, and I did. But the funny thing is money doesn't change you. Once again, I thought that was gonna change everything. I thought my life would be drastically different if I just had more money. It actually just accelerated again, my dysfunction, my bad habits, um, basically everything bad about me just became amplified. And I traveled the world, which was kind of cool. I bought my favorite BMW car almost cash at 21 years old. I got bottle service at the best nightclubs in Vegas. And I had a lot of friends, but very, very few relationships. And I was building my house completely on sand, completely on sand. And it was all starting to fall apart. And I remember one time I was in Vegas, which was not unusual. And I remember I was with some friends celebrating a birthday and we were in the hotel room and we were about to go out to the nightclub, which was also not unusual. And we were about to get bottle service, which was not unusual. And then there was cocaine at this pre-party thing, which was not abnormal, but someone was recording it on social media, which was unusual. And so as I'm doing a line of coke, I get recorded on Snapchat and a family member that I didn't know about, I knew about the family, I didn't know they saw this, saw it on social media. And so I go about you know, my life and I, a couple days later I get a text and I basically find out that this family member had seen this, this, this clip and I grew up as the kid who really couldn't do anything wrong. I grew up as a kid in my family's eyes who would always be found with the right people doing the right thing at the right time. And so when they saw this, they thought, oh, well, obviously it's not that bad for you. Alex is doing it. And so that next week, they went to a rave. And at that rave, someone offered them Molly. Now, if you know anything, which I hope you don't have to, um, about Molly, you would know that today, most of it is laced with 97% meth. And so this family member took this drug thinking it would be just like what Alex was doing and ended up up three days and almost died. And I got news of this 
And to be honest, it, it rattled me pretty hard, as you can probably imagine. It, it, it shook me to the point where I said, what in the world has happened to my life? Have you ever had a how the heck did I get here moment? <laughs> I found myself at the end of myself. And it's really not until the end of yourself that you can actually find yourself. Because before that, all the added stuff is just there as kind of this facade, as kind of this just thing that hides your humanity. And I got to see who I was at that moment, completely stripped of everything that had formerly identified myself as. And it was not pretty. I was out of money. Most of my friends were gone. I remember spending my birthday alone. I got, I think, hundreds of notifications that birthday of like people posting, happy birthday, all this stuff. But I actually spent that day completely alone because it's possible to be completely surrounded by people, but utterly alone. And I was more empty, more depressed. And I was at a place where I was still faking it because it's where I got my identity from. So I couldn't let people know I was broken. And I got to the point where I asked myself, what's the point? And I never thought I would ever ask that question in my life. And I said, what's the point? And I was so confused because all this time, I thought all this stuff, I thought the cars, I thought the lifestyle, I thought the traveling, the drug, I thought all that was gonna like validify me. I thought that was gonna make me legit. I thought that was where I was gonna feel some form of love, but I was so broken that I, I wasn't feeling anything. I followed the plan society told me to, and yet here I was more empty in a deeper, darker pit than I ever thought I would be in. But thank God that God's got a plan. Someone say God's plan. That very next week, so this is uh, beginning of, basically like middle of March of 2015, uh, I got a call from a friend named Luke Wilborn who goes to North Campus, and he had just come back from a merge. And any merge men in here? Come on. We had a good emerge this year. And he had just come back, and he was on fire. He could not stop talking about it. And I was like, you came back from a Christian conference and you're like pumped up? But he was, the thing about Luke was, which, which there's some validity to this, he was a family man. So he was one of the few people I could actually trust because he was always with his wife. He was always with his kids. He was always, he actually was with the right people doing the right things at the right time. And, uh, and we worked together, but he invited me. And I said no for a month. Um, and as you kind of heard in the video, I showed up on Palm Sunday, which was March 29th, 2015. And I thought I would burn up if I walked into a church. <laughs> and so I remember I rock up. And I'm wearing, because uh, I, I had khakis, because that's what you wore to like math, mass, Catholic mass. And, uh, and I had a, like a yellow, like a pastel yellow collared shirt, because I only went to two services a year, and one of those was Easter, and I didn't wear collared shirts. So I rock up to a 5 p.m. service in khakis and a yellow collared shirt. They're like, this guy's out of place. But I never felt more at home. And I walked in, and it was the first, first time I'd ever heard the gospel, as you heard in that video. And it was in that moment that I actually felt for the first time I could let my guard down. For the first time, I could be myself, and I was actually loved despite that. And that night, I responded to an invitation to receive a relationship with Jesus, and I went down to the altar. And, uh, and so my journey with Jesus began that night. And I started to come regularly, right? So now I'm aware of God's plan. I began to realize that the life I was living and the life God wanted me to live were a little bit separate. Anybody ever, anybody ever had that experience? And so I was aware now of his plan 
that he wanted to advance my life. But now I had to decide if I wanted to align myself and my will with his will. And I think all of us have or currently are maybe in this spot where there's areas of your life where you can either choose to align yourself with God's will or you can choose to do it on your own. So I made a choice. I, I, I knew I could either be saved, be in church, and just kind of still go my own route, and that would be fine. I was saved. I was going, like, all those things. Or I could allow him to process me. I could allow myself to be aligned with his will and, uh, and see what he was focused on, discover the scoreboard he was keeping, because the scoreboard I thought I was winning at in the world was obviously not the right one. And, uh, and so I decided to make that my decision. And Jesus makes it pretty clear what it takes to live a life of advancement. Once you choose to align yourself with him, what it takes, it's actually pretty confronting. Um, But Matthew 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Try that. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And I think there's a brilliant picture in the Bible of this actually happening and Jesus confronting someone about their choice whether to align themselves fully with him. Because it's very possible to be in church and not be fully aligned with God's will. And we see that in the picture of the rich young ruler. So there's a story in the Bible of this rich young ruler. He rocks up to Jesus. I'm going to paraphrase because it's a long scripture. And, uh, and so he says, hey, Jesus, or he says, hey, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? So already he's in the right context. He understands that there is, there is a heaven and there's a hell and there's a way to get there. And he, so he's trying to figure this out. And Jesus says, okay, have you, know, have you followed these commandments? Like these are the commandments. He lists the commandments. And the rich young ruler says, yeah, I've kept them from my youth. So this guy's in church. Like this guy is following some rules here and obviously he probably didn't keep all of those um, at least all the way. But the fact that he's at least confident enough to say that he was means that he was in church and he knew what he was talking about. And then Jesus gets to the, the, the final point. He says, okay. He says, you want to be perfect? Sell everything you got, give it to the poor and come, follow me. And the rich young ruler's like, nah, I'm peacing out. And he was really upset because he had great possessions. And so you're telling me that this guy, who was so close to perfect, but he got hung up on money? Then how much more will we, especially myself, who definitely am not perfect, get hung up on money? God's not concerned with us having stuff. He wasn't concerned with the rich young ruler having something. He just wanted to know, would you be willing to align yourself and give everything because it was tied to his heart? That's why tithing set me free. When I came here four years ago, I had spent 22 years of my life getting validation and attaching my identity to what I had in the bank account or what I drove or what I had. And the reality was that was obviously very unhealthy. It had my heart and it was time to now align myself in my heart with Jesus. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. So for me, tithing and vision builders is a foolproof, full, full proof way of keeping my heart in alignment with him and keeping it a posture towards him. And I began to see that as I tithe, as we participated in vision builders, our lives got bigger every year. Every year we became more and more blessed 
because God gives back pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And when that rich young ruler decided to make that decision to walk away because he couldn't fully align himself, he really looked to be winning by the world's standards. Like you look at his life, the guy's winning. His Instagram account probably had millions of followers. He maybe even had spiritual or Christian in his bio. But here's the problem, winning at the wrong game. You see, if you're comparing yourself to the world's standards of success or even religion's standards of winning, you'll forever feel behind and you'll fall short of destiny because you're not playing for an earthly reward. We're playing for keeps. We're playing for eternity. You see, there's a reason that two different sports, basketball and baseball, right? So let's say you got baseball over here and you got basketball over here. Any baseball fans? Any basketball fans? You've been watching the playoffs. It's been good. So baseball, they score maybe each team five runs a piece, right? Maybe. Basketball, let's say they score 100 points a piece. They're playing against each other. Now, what happens when you put two scoreboards up, baseball and basketball? What happens? You got five points over here and you got 100 points over here. Who's winning? They're playing different games. They're playing different games. Baseball will lose every time, but you see, we're not playing for earthly rewards. We're not playing on this scoreboard. We're over here playing for eternity. That's a different scoreboard. And the devil's been showing you the scoreboard of people who are playing for earthly rewards and telling you you're losing. He's been telling you that you're way behind, you're off track, there's no way you'll ever catch up, but you're not playing on that scoreboard. You're playing for eternity. And you'll know he's telling you this because you're hearing voices like, oh, you shouldn't tithe. Don't tithe. Don't tithe again. You, 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 you can barely pay this expense. How are you going to make it the rest of the month? Or you're going you're you're to give an offering to vision builders? You already tithe. That's enough. How are you ever going to buy a home in San Diego? If you, the devil comes in to try and steal, kill, and destroy everything about your life because all he sees is that you're winning over here and he's losing over here. And he doesn't want you to see that these are two different scoreboards, and that's the one that actually matters. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. We're playing a different game. We got to stop comparing ourselves and we got to get focused on whatever God has called us to do. God has never lost in the history of humankind and he is not about to start with you. If he promised that you would live life and live it more abundantly, then I'm telling you, if it's not like that yet, God's not done yet. Because he who has promised is faithful to deliver to you. So as I began to build my life off of God's word and from his approval, and after I aligned myself with him, I started to come alive in what he had promised, what he had purposed. And the scripture that really helped me in my connect group leaders, because I, I, I got saved and I was like, hey, uh, this is a lot. I know the Old Testament pretty good because I grew up Jewish and did my bar mitzvah and all that, but I don't know this New Testament at all. Can you give me like one or two scriptures, one or two things that I can like hang my hat on? And they said, yeah, Matthew 6.33. So we can put that up. Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And I remember when, uh, 
when I first read that, I was like, wow, that's really simple. And it kind of spoke to me because I had lived my whole life in reverse. But seek first all these things and the kingdom will be added to you. But it doesn't say that. It says seek first the kingdom. And I realized God had made it really easy. There's one solution, there's one answer to this whole thing called life and it's called seeking the kingdom. And, you know, I realized that all I needed to do was start applying it. It's not some like lofty thing. It's really just reading what he had to say and just aligning myself with it. And, uh, and so as soon as I came to church and started reading this stuff, I started realizing that God had given me some influence. God had given me some people in my life because we all have these people in our lives that, uh, that don't yet know Jesus. Maybe they're like me. Maybe they're way far off. And maybe some people just haven't been to church in a while. But either way, I realized that I needed to start being the life and the light that God had called me to be in those places. And so I came home from church. It was actually the night that, uh, it was the night that I got saved. And we had basically, I'd been a part of this company with Luke and then a few other guys that we were going to personal development stuff all the time. We were walking on hot coals, you know, with Tony Robbins. And we were basically doing everything to find this life. And so I got home. And I called my friend Mike, and my friend Mike's in Florida, and it's pretty late, but I call him anyway because I was so excited. I was like, dude, I found it. He's like, you found what? I'm like, I found it, dude. I went to church. I got saved. And I didn't even know what that, I knew what it meant, but like, not really. You know, like, you're fresh. Like, I was fresh. I had no clue. I was like, dude, you need to, you need to come out. You need to get saved. Like, you need, to, you need to get saved. And I didn't know. I was just passionate. I, was, I came to life for the first time in my life. I was aware of God's plan. I started to align myself with his will. And I came to life because life was in me. And so I called him. I said, hey, I know we got this, we got this whole leadership thing. We got, this, we got this retreat coming up. It's in Carlsbad. Or it's in Phoenix. Sorry, it was in Phoenix. He had this convention in Phoenix. I said, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to fly out to Phoenix. And then when you get there, you're gonna get there early because we got a 5 p.m. service. And so you're gonna get in the car and you're gonna drive to San Diego and then you're gonna give your life to Jesus there. And I told him how I, was, I had to told him I was gonna go down. I'd only been to church once, but I remembered at some point someone talked about Jesus and then they said, Will you, you know, close your eye by your head, raise your hand, I raise, and I said, You're gonna to walk to the front. And so I said, When you get here, we're gonna do all that. I got a seat, we're gonna, it's gonna be fine. And so he, he gets in a car, he flies out to Phoenix, he gets in a car and he drives to San Diego. And he gets there, and he gets there at 4.45 p.m. Service at Central starts at 5 p.m. He rocks up. I'm like, great, we got a seat. Pastor Benny Perez is preaching. Never heard the guy before. He's amazing. But I, I didn't know. So he, we go sit in the back. We sit in, like, the very back. And I'm like, all right, at the end, and, like, during worship, I'm like, I don't know what's going on right now. But at the end, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> I used to, like, not come till later because I didn't understand it. But we, we literally got there. We sit in the back, and he, all of a sudden, like, then I was like, it's, it's time, it's time, it's time. Come on, get ready, get ready. And then he's like, okay, 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 okay. And then, and then he, at the end, pastor gives the invitation. He raises his hand. I'm like, good, you got to raise his hand. I'm like, now you're going to walk to the front. He's going to actually walk to the front. So we get down, he walks to the front. He gets saved. And then we walk to the response lounge room. And, uh, and, and the guy who's praying, like the guy who, who's praying, like the prayer team was like, um, you're from Florida? He's like, yeah, I live in Florida. He's like, and why are you here? He's like, well, he told me I got to come here to get saved. And he's like, you know, that's awesome, man. Like, but we can find you a church like this in Florida. I didn't know. 
All I knew was seek first the kingdom of God. All I knew was there was one answer. All I knew was I had spent my whole life in the dark and for the first time in my life, I saw light. For the first time in my life, I found everything that humanity is looking for. And I felt like, all right, it's time to share with people. And, uh, and I think we actually have a picture of, uh, of Mike. I was talking to Pastor Lisa about this story. And, uh, and this is Mike. Mike's in the red shirt right here. And uh, these are all some of the people that he's brought to church. And that was a couple weeks ago. And now people are getting saved through his life. And I'm not, it's not to impress, but it's just to say that what Beth did with that invitation, what you've done with the people you've invited, with what you've tithed, with what you've given, it doesn't stop where you see it. There's so much more that we can't see that we won't see until we get to heaven. But I know now that there are people in Florida, I know now that there are people being discipled, that there is a change that happened in a generation through my life. I got to marry my beautiful wife, Tanae, during the internship, running a connect group. That would have never happened if I didn't get an invite. And, uh, and that's a powerful thing. And I remember it was a little while after that, so Mike, we can change, take the picture down. But uh, we, uh, so we were now saved and we were fired up we were lit up. We didn't even know why. Like, we were still like, cuss, like we just, we were working it out. And, uh, and we had a, in the same company, we had like this, this other, we had this other leadership thing a few months. It was like five, six, five, six months later in uh, Carlsbad. And so we knew everyone was flying in. We knew all of our friends, like our lost friends, lost friends, like jacked up. And, uh, and we knew they were flying in. There was going to be like maybe 80, hundred people there. And, uh, and we knew probably like 60 of them, 70 of them. And so we were there and my, my friend Luke was there with us. And, and so we all like, we were all like newly like fired up, saved. We're like, all right, what, we used to have a Saturday night service in Carlsbad um, at our North Campus location at 5 p.m. And so we said, hey, this thing goes till about two on Saturday. Why don't we bring them five minutes down the road to church? What's the worst that happens, right? They hate it. What's the best that happens? They get saved. Cool, let's do it. So we split up and out of like 70 people, I think 38, 40 said yes. We drove 40 people to church. Pastor Jurgen's preaching. And, uh, and we just take up a whole like section right here. And, uh, and so we're sitting there and we have no idea what's gonna go down. Like worship, that was interesting. Like most of them had no concept, but people were crying because they just it, it never been in the presence of God before. And so, we were, we were sitting there and Pastor Egan's about to give the altar call. And you know, like when you like are looking around, like you're like looking to see if your hands, friends are raising their hands. And so we were looking around and I was like, okay, okay, come on, come on, come on. At least like a few, yeah, come on. Like, like, like what, what, what can happen? What can God do? And all of a sudden I saw one hand go up and then another, and then another, and then another. About 35, 36 people raised their hands that night. And then Pastor Jurgen gave the invitation. They all came down the front. We were all crying. We were all like, like this, worshiping like at the end. And, and I remember I, I went out to the foyer and I, I was like, I couldn't really believe it. I didn't fully get what had ha just happened, but I fell into, uh, who's my pastor time, Pastor Matt Tuggle, who's, uh, who's our young adults pastor for a while. And, and I, I basically fell into his arms. I started crying. I was like, what, what just happened? Like God just got all of them. One swoop. And, and it was a moment that I'll never forget because it was a moment that changed everything for me. I realized that this, this answer, this solution we have, it must be advanced. 
it must be expanded. And it was at that moment, I think, that I decided whatever God wants me to do, I'll do it. Whatever he has for me, I'll do it. Whatever it takes, it doesn't matter. I just know that this, people need to know this. People need to hear this. And so I don't, I don't really know if all those people are still in church. I don't know how, how well they follow. I know some of them now come to our church, and um, one of them just got married recently um, in our church. And so there's, there's been some cool stories from it. But what we do here, we won't know the full scale. We won't understand the full weight until we get to heaven. But what we see is amazing. We get to be a part of a house of transformation. Lives change every single week. People healed. People seeing miracles like Pastor Michael was talking about. Barren wombs open. For the first time in my life, and some of you maybe, you're seeing the gate of heaven because this is the house of God and it must be advanced. And uh, I'll share one last story and then I'll, I'll close it up. I, uh, I was working at that Instagram company, that startup, and my, I was trying to get my founders saved because like, why not? They're there. And uh, they weren't coming to church. They were like I was before. So they were like, I'll be burned if I walk in there. And they still like, they just weren't coming. No invitation. No, they just weren't having it. And then all of a sudden, uh, Twisted came around like a year and a half ago. And I'm like, two guys are not going to come to a musical, but let's invite them anyway, because it's a cool musical. And, uh, and so I invited him. And little did I know, one of the founders, uh, his, his girlfriend was like diehard musical fan. And so I was like, all right, I got you tickets. I didn't have tickets at the time, but I said, I'll get you tickets. And, uh, and so I got them tickets. They sat, they came, they came to Twisted. And, uh, and at the end, there's an altar call. And so I'm sitting there like, come on, come on. And then uh, at the end, she gave her life to Jesus, which is incredible. But he didn't get saved, so I was kind of mad. And uh, I said, come on. And so I knew Hero was coming around. And so before they left, I said, hey, I already got your tickets to Hero. And uh, you, just, you guys got to come back. And so they came back. And right before they came, like uh, a couple days before, they said, hey, um, you know, her, his girlfriend's mom was, wasn't doing too well. She had uh, bone cancer at the time. It was in her blood. And, and they didn't know, they just didn't know how it was going to go down. But they said, she really loved musicals. Can she come? I said, of course she can come. And so she comes. And they all come. They're sitting, three of them, right there during Hero. And obviously, you get to hear the story of Jesus. You get to see him crucified. Like, it's, it's a powerful story. And at the end, the pastor gives the altar call, and I see three hands go up. And I prayed with her after that, and we were believing that she was going to be completely healed. And for a while, she was doing really well, six, seven months. And then um, I just heard six months ago, um, I got a text that she had suddenly passed away. And while that's very difficult and while we were believing, I now had a peace and they had a peace that they would see her again because of what we were able and willing to put on a musical, a musical. What church does that? Like a, a legit musical. But it's only by advancing. It's only by seeing what God is wanting to do in this generation. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.